You see, people collect all kinds of things. New, old, priceless, worthless. Darling, it doesn't matter what. I simply must know why. Those mothballs shouldn't get to keep all the secrets. This is the Mothball Prophecies. Hello and welcome to the Mothball Prophecies. I'm Samantha Mashburn. And I'm Jill Huffman. And today we are sitting down for the first episode recording of 2022. And we have some exciting things to share with you. We are rolling out a new Mothball blog because we share tips of the week in almost every episode. But I realized, we realized... There's nowhere to find those without <laughs> There's listening. no way to reference that back unless you listen to the whole episode yeah. again. <laughs> One hour, 32 minutes <laughs> in. You'll hear that that's how I give time notes to Gray for them. But we were sitting down and thinking of a way we could offer a little bit more here at the Mothball Prophecies with the knowledge we have amassed in the last year by sitting down mm-hmm. and talking with all of these fabulous people. Yes. Yes. So we decided a blog would be perfect. So the blog will be on the mothballprophecies.com under the tip of the week tab. It's perfect. I mean, so simple. So simple. So simple. And so we thought, let's put an episode together of all of these tips of the weeks we have gathered since we started the podcast and the little nuggets we've learned on our own yes. vintage journey. We've... I. A lot of them, I was like, well, duh, yeah, why didn't I think of that? Mm-hmm. And then some of it, it's like fun to pass on that knowledge. And it's like, I do this. And then everybody else is like, oh, that's a great idea. And then you start sharing tips back and forth. Mm-hmm. That's been my favorite thing about this community is like posting something either on Instagram or Facebook or messaging one of the many people we've had on and going, hey, do you know what this is? Or how do I clean this? Or what the fuck even is this? Yeah. Yeah. It's been really nice having this group of people that um, you're not hesitant to reach out to because you're like, Ooh, I hope you don't feel that I am a weirdo. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. I saw you do this. How do you do that? And generally they're like, Ooh, yeah. And then you get it like five paragraphs back of how to fix or how to use or <laughs> yeah. how to clean or how to all of those things. And since it is the new year, we thought we'd lay down a couple tips and then give you a list of tips. First, Jill, do you are you a New Year's resolution person? Oh, so see, my husband and I had this discussion earlier today because he very much is. Mm-hmm. He makes three, at least three every year. Whoa. And he even keeps it in his phone. So he has years past to see if he's kept them or not. I, guys. It makes is, so much sense. I mean, this is why we get along together because I do not mm-hmm. because I am a self-sabotageur. <laughs> no matter what it is, even mm-hmm. it's the simplest thing. I'll be like, fuck that. I'm not doing it. Screw it. I'm ruined. It. <laughs> yeah. I'm not doing it. Every time. So I never say I'm going to eat healthier because I do that on a normal basis. Mm-hmm. I try every day. I never say I'm going to work out more because I'm broken half the time. Mm-hmm. And I can't usually keep to that. Um, last year I was going to, um, make a new, like fancy recipe once a month, but then I lost my taste. So see, I just, uh, I'm self-sabotaging. So <laughs> there, I, yeah, I don't know if you should make a resolution. So I don't, I, 
I have not for at least three years now. You just go into the new year with the same intentions and level of no fuckery, which is perfect. Yeah, I just, if it if I do it, then yay me. And if I don't, it's not a big deal. And I don't feel like I am a failure as a human being. I, I think that's the best tip. It's very good for people with depression because, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> what better way to put yourself in depression is if you fail at something. <laughs> the first week of the year. <laughs> Just set yourself up for the same repetition. I used to, you know, do the whole, do this and do that. And then I stopped one year and I went, I'm going to set a resolution for behavior type things. Oh. Like, so that's kind of what started for me, I guess, is a one I could be conscious of, right? But the situation maybe wouldn't present itself every day. Yeah. So like one year I read the book, The Four Agreements. And I was like, all right, I'm going to apply these. And it was like being impeccable with my word, saying things that I meant and not doing things I didn't want to do. And then that turned into like setting boundaries and like it rolled into itself. And I was this year, the group salon chat, uh, one of the girls I work with, Jamie, sent out a thing that was like, hey, let's do like a word of the year. Like, what are you picking as the word of your year for inspiration? And I was like, oh, fuck, what am I going to pick? And so I've been stewing on it and I've been thinking about it and I've been like, and I think the word I've landed on, which seems innocuous, is imagination. Oh. Kind of similar along the lines of manifestation. Yeah. So just being like more playful, doing things I didn't imagine I could do, like kind of going into the year with wonderment, I guess. And imagination. And that, that way it kind of gives me a wide swath of shit to choose yes, from. I mean, that's good. I always look, I, I do always start the new year as a way of starting something new. Mm-hmm. Like I always try to start like something I've never done. I try to do that year. Like, I don't know what it will be this year. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to talk my husband into letting us build our own deck, but mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to work. I mean, it can happen. I can help you. My dad will be home this summer. He can also help. And he's fun. That's true. That was the thing. My husband was like, I know what you would say. And I don't know if I want to take this on. He's like, but what do you feel about building our own deck? And I was like, yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was like, we just don't have all the tools for it. Yeah. I can can, uh, scrounge up some help. I also know a concrete guy. So. Yeah. It's true, you do. Mm-hmm. And your dad is super fun to hang out with. He's very fun. Yeah. He's right. So, That's where yeah, I get my phone. We'll yeah. I mean, you know, so who knows what this new year is going to bring? Yeah. I, I it's, you know, uh, after the last two years, I have low expectations, if any. I know I'm going to have a garden. Too. I know I'm going to buy some shit at the thrift store. And I know I'm going to work. So, yeah. I mean, I know I'm going to spend my whole year soccer, mom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna work. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, I'm we hoping. can find some time to travel with the show yes, this I'm year. I'm hoping to travel more. Mm-hmm. Me and Tammy have not really seen each other for quite some time, so we would really like to do that. Yeah, we'd like to go back east. Yes, we that has to happen this year. I would like it to, but the Omerion thing, you know. Yeah, you know, we'll see how that plays out. It is out. what it is. And I have tried when I turned thirty. It was the year of the start of the pandemonium and i have been chasing my 30th birthday now for two years (laughs) and so i'm like i'm gonna go i and it's in fucking march so i hope i can do something we'll see i'm gonna be 45 years old before i celebrate my 30th birthday i know that's how i am with my 40s Mm -hmm. you and i at the same i'm like you know what maybe this year 
this mm-hmm. year we'll do something super fun, but probably not. We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, should we get into some tips? Let's do it. We're going to start with a couple before we get into the, the rest of them. Uh, some things that Jill and I have kind of learned and discovered since we started the show. And the biggest one off the jump is how to look vintage up on your phone if you are in the thrift store. I will say as a caveat, don't be the person that's looking up every single fucking thing at the thrift store. We all see you. We know what you're doing. Yeah. And also don't put everything in your cart that you think is vintage mm-hmm. and then hide in a corner and then look it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that really irritates me too. I get it. You're trying to make a living. I do too, and but. I, you know what? But don't like. And it's that person that has like a hodgepodge of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stay in your lane, because then oh, you're that's going to stress yourself out mm-hmm. more. That's a good tip. Like, pick your brand. Pick your. If you want to sell vintage resale, great. But you don't don't try and sell everything because not everybody that wants to buy everything is going to follow your stuff or like. Yeah. Because I, there's a few people on Instagram that I follow, and they sell um, like the Koa and Monkey Podwood mm-hmm. stuff. And I have another person I follow, and she always gets a lot of um, Ellie Star and Moon stuff. Mm-hmm. So those are the people I go to because I know that's what they sell. Mm-hmm. So I guess your first tip is find your find your niche, find your mm-hmm. area of expertise, and then hone in on that. Like figure out all the stuff that goes along with that genre that you're trying to sell, so that when you do go to a garage sale, an estate sale, or whatever, you know what you're after, you know what to look for, you know what it is, and it makes you a little faster. You're not going to miss out on some mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Now, when you look something up, there is a Google. The Google app has Google Lens inside of it. So the Google app, you open it itself, it's going to open up its own tab on your phone and you're going to see a search bar with a, it's not really a camera, it's like a four corners with a dot in the middle. Yeah, yeah. You're going to click that. You're going to take a picture of the item they're looking for. If there's a sticker, that's optimal. If you can get the item with a clear, non-obtrusive background, take a good picture of it. But no, it's not the end all be all. It's going to show you some stuff that maybe looks like the color, the texture, or the composition of the piece. So take multiple photos, look for different things. Once you find the item, you see what it is, you can see what it is, then you can hone your Google in a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Then you want to take that information over to eBay. Now, my children, this is very important. So important. Please listen. Please listen to any other thing. Let it be this. Let it be this. eBay lists millions, if not billions of items. And it is up to the person listing that to put whatever fucking price they want on it. Do not go by the for sale price listed on that first search hit of eBay. You want to go over to the top. There's a little menu. Click that. Scroll down and go to sold prices. This is going to give you a list or an average of what that piece has sold for recently within the last couple of days or months. And it gives you a better average on how to decide what you need to list it for or what it is or find out more information about it. Yes. And also, you know, look at the numbers because yes, you're going to have that one person that sold the item for like a couple hundred, Mm -hmm. but then you're also going to have that a person that sells the same iron for like 10 bucks. Yes. So you're going to have that range. So you need to sell it for what you are comfortable with thinking you would get because not everybody's going to get $200 Mm -hmm. every time. And there's also like seasonal 
like stuff that's going to sell for way higher during the either holiday season, whether it's Halloween, Christmas, Easter, St. Patrick's Day, if it's related to a holiday and it's close to that holiday, people are probably going to pay more for it than if they're buying it in the middle of the summer, which me as a person, if I'm buying holiday stuff, I'm buying it all year long outside of the top price that it's going yes, for. Yes, every time. And it's just like when you do like the, you know, chain stores, like mm-hmm. when they have their holiday stuff, I'll buy the stuff that I need to have. Mm-hmm. Right then and there, but other stuff I wait until it's clearance before yeah. I actually buy anything. And if I miss out on some things, I'm not like heartbroken over mm-hmm. it. And like when you, so now you know what it is, you know what the piece is, you know an average price on eBay. Now you can go look at the other reselling apps and gather a little bit more information about what that needs to be listed for or what is it kind of going for across the board. You're gonna have higher price points through Etsy and Mercari and Poshmark and different places like that than you are on eBay. eBay is generally something that's kind of not lower price range, but middle of the road, because a lot of people that are rebuying things are also looking for it. And like I, there are very few things that I pay full retail price for with Mm -hmm. vintage. Yeah. 90% of what I own, I have found out in the wild. Yeah. Yeah. 90%. And also when you are pricing, take into consideration the act like, if it's pristine condition, mm-hmm. it has chips, rips, mm-hmm. stains, mm-hmm. you know, that plays a lot into the price because I'm more willing to pay full price ish on something that is pristine condition. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy it when buyers are like, Hey, there's a big crack. And like I bought, um, a, like a red, um, Ellie, uh, Smith moon and stars cake plate Ooh. for 20 bucks. Because it had chips and the top and the bottom were like, I don't know what this person did. Bless their heart. They were trying to keep them together. But I think they gorilla glued that bitch together. Whoa. And you can see some. But other than those two things, it was in really good condition. So I was happy to pay the 20 bucks because they took in consideration all that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What are some ways you look for with your picking? Because you buy a lot more glassware than I do. I do. So what? walk me through your process of picking glassware to keep or to resell. So when I go to pick, I always look at the bottom. The bottom, like if it's a pedestal of any kind, the chips are usually on the bottom or on the very top. Mm-hmm. Um, I will look for if there's any cracks. Sometimes there's just like hairline cracks in like bases or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the time, if it's still in workable condition... I will buy it for myself. And those things I don't resell because I know I won't get the money back for what I paid for it. Yeah. And usually when I do resell stuff, it's just for my own collection that are in very good condition. Mm -hmm. And that's really rare that I sell from my own collection because I'm such a hoarder in that sense. (laughs) Which is okay. But yeah, when I, if I pick up a piece, like say it's a uh, coffee cup, or a glass, like a drinking glass. I will pick it up and look at the butt first to see if there's mm-hmm. any markings that give me any idea of what it is, right? And I'm also right. looking for, because you're going to have damage in the places of wear, like you said, the places of use. Around that bottom ring, if it's ceramic or glasses, may have some chips from being set down. And then the top rim, especially if it's blown glass, could be very fragile and could be hit. And then I also look for the difference between cracks or crazing, 
Um, yeah. Because crazing is a, in pottery, specifically vintage pottery in the glaze as it ages, will start to get this like kind of crackle effect throughout the whole piece, which is crazing. I'm going to look and see if any of that, that, uh, glaze has chipped away and revealed the actual pottery because then it's not really safe to use if I'm going to be using it with water it maybe like you know kind of determines what it's going to be used for Mm -hmm. and then I'm looking to see if there's hairline cracks that run from the inside to the outside of the item yeah and like and especially like and also with Pyrex you got to look to you can tell if it's been used in the dishwasher Mm -hmm. easily those pieces 99% of the time come home with me anyways yeah, because it's still a good using. But um, I know a lot of people that, like, even if I'm like shopping just by myself, people will be like, "Oh, I wouldn't. You can't sell that. Mm-hmm. It's been used in dishwasher." And I'll be like, "Okay, A, I'm aware. Mm-hmm. B, I'm not planning to sell it. And C, mind your own fucking business." Yeah, not everybody at the thrift store is reselling. You know, no. And it's funny to me the people that you can't, you know, who are reselling because they won't look at anything they just grab mm-hmm. yeah like i will if i i hold something and i'll be like think it's vintage and i'll pick it up and i'm like oh that's not vintage and i'm like ooh, but could i still use it yes and those people are just like throw it in their cart and go mm-hmm. and it's like no i'm looking at it and seeing it does it serve a purpose do i know somebody that would like this do i like it because that's the other point if like going go into the thrift or an estate sale or a garage sale with some like items in mind that you're looking for. So you don't get distracted by everything that's vintage. Cause there's lots of pieces that are super common that you're going to see over and over and over again in different oh, yeah. condition. Yeah, for sure. Like, and that being said, like if there's certain pieces I know that are around, you know, if I find a better, like say I find a better Pyrex bowl than the one I already have, I'll buy that one. And then I'll like give, the other one to somebody mm-hmm. else. Yeah, release it back into the wild. That happened to yeah. me with, I found earlier this year, last year, <laughs> a uranium glass cake plate and I'd never seen one in the wild and it was so beat up. Like huge mm-hmm. chips, breaks, but I still loved it. It was great. And then I saw another one. I don't know if, I think it was at a different thrift store. Same design, same pattern, no chips. I brought that one home put it in my collection. It sits behind us when we record and release that other one. It's actually living with a Patreon subscriber and OG listener crystal. So it's now I know it's in a good home and, but I released it. I was like, here you go back from whence you came. Yeah. And like, like people have noticed with our sales, we don't resell to like really make you any money. Mm -mm. We're just trying to clean out our stock and Mm -hmm. send things to good homes. And Honestly, if you guys buy it and resell it for more, that makes me super happy for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. We're not, we've never wanted to resell vintage for the aspect of making a ton of profit. We just find it and I'm like, oh, I know somebody's going to love this. Here's what we bought it for. Bada bing, bada yeah. boom. Yeah. yeah. It's been really great to do that. So also, okay. So here's another tip when you um, are going thrifting, especially like an estate sale, garage sale, that kind of stuff. Because when you go to those places, 90% of the times, they're not going to have bags or anything to wrap anything in. So I always keep reusable bags in my car and I will keep some kind of packaging, whether that's like packing paper, towels, Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, how Amazon or any package you get, you get those big bubble things. I keep those, some of those in my car. 
And I just keep those all the time, not during the winter because I know I'm not thrifting very much. Mm -hmm. Um, but during the spring and summer, I always have something of that in my bag. Yeah. In my, or in my trunk mm-hmm. at all times. And most of my bags, like I have a basket that I have that I found at an estate sale. It's a collapsible canvas, like shopping basket. Yes. I, that is, that is on my want list. Mm-hmm. And so I keep that in my car, plus a big Ikea bag that I load up with everything to take into my house when I'm done. Mm -hmm. Plus, you know, paper. And I look for those things at thrift stores also. Rolls of paper, tissue paper, and I just keep it in my car for when I am out shopping. Yeah. And if I go to, like, say I go to one of Linda's estate sales, she's really good to having the packaging. Mm -hmm. But I will also put, like, just a regular box in my trunk. Mm-hmm. That way things won't roll around when I'm driving. So I know that is at least secure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My husband contributed to the problem. It will be used for gardening, but he found, you know, the big plastic bread crates at a grocery store. Oh yeah. He found me one oh, of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's in the back of my car with my Ikea bag, but it's going to be used for gardening to carry my flat of seedling trays out to yeah. the yard. But those were all the tips we had off of the start of this episode for the brand new year. Get your pens and papers out. Keep some noties. Tell us what you learned over on Instagram and enjoy this collection of tips of the week. I guess like what? Okay. This is always a good vintage tip of the week. What are some of like your checklists when you're picking something to resell? What do you do? Um, I always like try to just look at the condition overall. Um, I feel like, and this is even something that I'm just like learning now is to really just double check everything because I felt like, because I actually quit my corporate job the end of last year. So I've been doing this full time for about a little over six months now. Nice. And I feel like when I first quit my job, I was kind of like, oh yeah, I can thrift full time. Not even like I can go thrifting any, any time of the week I want. And then I ended up with a garage full of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm like, even this last week, I've been like spending this whole last week trying to like organize inventory and go through it. And I'm just like, why did I buy this? Like it has a crack in it or I missed this. So I, I'm definitely trying to be like, of course, looking at the condition and if it's something that I feel is unique and if the price is right. So like, for instance, today at Goodwill, I saw a really cute like vintage 70s like tea canister, which they had priced kind of high for a Goodwill and it had a chip in it. So I'm like, okay, no, I'm not going to get that. Normally, I probably would have just because I loved it. And, like, But I'm like, no, because it has a chip in it. And the likelihood of this actually getting to my booth before I break it or chip it more <laughs> is mm-hmm. rare. <laughs> I feel yeah. that. As long as it doesn't have damage or I smell anything that's fabric or right. <laughs> furniture. <laughs> but kind of the basics. I feel like I don't have like a manual where I'm like, okay, I can only get this, this, and this. And because it's selling well, I feel like I just kind of pick up things that I really love myself and I could see it in someone's home. Not necessarily mine, but I always find myself wanting to keep like 50% of the damn things that I (laughs) sort. So that's also why maybe my garage is filled and I'm like, 
oh yeah but this is a, a keep box and i like try to like mm-hmm. <laughs> okay let's tone it down i don't need to keep this <laughs> we have a friend that's been selling stick you remember the stickers you'd get at the doctor yeah she's been reselling those and has made a large sum from <laughs> reselling them in like mystery packs oh <gasps> how cool she like saved the big her round stickers. Ones? No, she's been so she's been going to just different places to find them, and she'll find them because like when old teachers retire, uh-huh. different stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like the ones that are like scratch and sniff. Yes, or the ones Kids that say like this. "good job," and they're like the little like quarter size stickers. You gave me like a bunch of those when you quit. Pa- new packs of scratch and sniff. Wow. Yeah, we'll talk about that after because load that on there's your vintage tip of the week uh find some stickers, stickers. out oh. and about look through your mom's stuff for stuff from our there's a taboo there's certainly a, a negative uh you know uh, thought that people have about them so those sometimes those get hidden aside and they don't want to put them on display because mm-hmm. they don't want to deal with people giving their thoughts about them unsolicited right. uh, thoughts so those I have luck by just having conversations, but even, you know, outside of estate sales and flea markets, I find that just talking to people and going over stuff and letting them know what I'm interested mm-hmm. in and just building somewhat of a, a friendship or a relationship with them in some mm-hmm. way that that leads to way more things for me. I luck out more from that than I do uh, randomly finding something. You know, I'm glad you bring up that point because I've noticed too, now I make it a point because of the podcast and hearing people's stories. I'm like, I want to know the person behind the sale that I'm at. And so sure. I now I ask when I'm checking out, I'm like, oh, what did this person do for a living and what did they collect? And th- people are always so surprised to have somebody interested in whether it's their stuff or somebody else's stuff or their family's stuff. And that's the same thing's happening. They go, oh, well, I, we also have this, but we didn't think anybody would want to buy this or, you know, we just thought it was garbage or those types of things. So that's a very good, there's your vintage tip of the week, folks. You got to ask the people running the sale, just be their friend a little bit instead of, you know, doing the slow drive by and then keep going. (laughs) I say my, my tip of the week definitely is I let everybody know that what I'm looking for. What's your uh, vintage tip of the week of making sure you're not taking anything home with you from an item? What? what would you suggest somebody do if they feel like there's energy? Oh, oh. Um, um, I would say if you bring something home and you feel like there's something kind of attached to it, or if you feel kind of uneasy about the item itself, one uh, easy thing to do is leave it out in a place where the full moon will kind of bathe it overnight. And that can be really helpful for cleansing. You can also put it in, if it's a smaller item, you can put it like in a bowl of salt. Mm. That can also be uh, good for bad energy. If you're really having trouble with it, I would say get the fuck rid of it. Yeah. I mean, don't risk anything. Yeah. Because you really, you don't know what you're bringing home sometimes. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So just be conscious of what, the item you're bringing home feels like before you take it into your house. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, that's Thanks. it. So, if your cell phone gets in water, put it in rice. Mm-hmm. If your piece of jewelry feels haunted, put it in a bowl of salt. Yep. I mean, those are easy. It, yep, like, it's real simple. It's F- full moon and salt. Yeah, the two most important things. As a, as a 
dealer, the one thing I would also say to you on that is that Art, De- Art Deco jewelry is virtually always platinum. And oh. the first thing I would check about that is, is that 18 karat gold piece actually uh, original Art Deco because uh, they're almost always platinum. There is yellow gold pieces. And actually oh. on the flip side, uh, that could make that a very rare piece if it is an authentic uh, Art Deco one. And um, there's a French jeweler called Fouquet uh, of, of Alphonsus Fouquet is the father. And then there's uh, his son was also a jeweler and they made a lot of Art Deco jewelry in 18 karat gold. And I actually have an 18 karat gold Habishan emerald uh, by Fouquet, which is Art Deco. Whoa. And that's beautiful as well. So that was a really difficult one. Well, that was me. That it was gets worse. I know. I told uh, you. Also, there's your vintage tip of the week. So I that Art Deco was that. platinum. Oh, you say it. Yeah. Well, that, no, I can't see it oh, now. Oh, sorry. All right, next time. I can't be original on... I can it's only like do it he on the could spot. have wrote this too. Because you got the whole thing of like throwing in the interesting bits as the choices get harder. You go, well, actually, it's really... I know. That's a good tip too. Yeah, I guess I got into records more after um, Pyrex because I got a record player and I was like, okay, now yeah. I need to get all the good music. See, that's my record. husband. He he collects the record players and the records. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I need to get a vintage record player. My record player is still my new one, that my first one that I got, but oh, yeah. an old one would be cool. <laughs> I came across one in an auction. You should watch auctions in your area because oh. they're usually, uh, here's your vintage tip of the week, one of them. There'll probably be several here. But if you are looking for either a bigger like piece of furniture or a record player or speakers for a record player, Watch your local online auction houses. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I'll need to figure out what those are because I have no we'll, clue. We'll help you after we'll this. We'll show you. We'll show you how Thank to you. do it. But I, I found a pair. I found a, I had a vintage record play already, but no way to listen to it. I didn't have old oh. enough speakers. And I was watching an online auction and I saw these two speakers from the same era come up mm-hmm. and no name brand. You're just like hoping. So I had, <laughs> I got them for $15. Wow. And they're half the size of me. They're over three feet tall. Yeah, they're quite oh, big. big <laughs> and they work perfectly. So, yes, yeah, so that's what I mean. And what were, for our vintage tip of the week, what are the most important measurements to know when looking for vintage clothing? Oh, you need to know um, your bust measurement, your waist, and hip measurement is good if you want to wear those wiggle dresses, which... Mm. I never wear. I like a fit and flare. I like it to fit tight at the waist and then to flare out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just the most comfortable for me. Um, I think it's also important, like, if you're broad-shouldered, to know the measurement across the back of your shoulders. Oh, I've never heard that. That's very smart. Yeah. People never think about that, but I've gotten dresses and tops that will be like, oh, it's a 36 bust. And then I get it, and I'm like... I can't button this mm. because the back measurement is smaller than what mine is. Whoa. Yeah. People never talk about that, but it's something that I ask a lot of sellers if they can measure it for me because I'll get something and the back is just, it's way too small for me. I might be broad shouldered. I don't know what the right. problem is, but it's important to know all those measurements, especially if you're going to shop online, which is mm-hmm. now a lot of where the good vintage clothing is. Unless right. you have like a spot, you know, you can go to and just mm-hmm. shop like crazy. But yeah, it's good to know all that stuff when buying vintage clothes. 
Then we have the one upstairs because the one upstairs is now like the free range toddler. Yeah. And that's, yeah. When Ethan and I were first married, we decorated like, you know, like the parade of homes trees kind of deal. Yeah. Like it was like uh-huh. to the nines, like everything strategic, big bows and all this. And then when they, we had the kids, like the first couple of years, they didn't care. Mm-hmm. But as they got older, they would put all the ornaments in one area and then they wanted to add ones that didn't go with that scheme oh yeah and Mm -hmm. so now now our tree that's the tree that we cut down and we call it's our memory tree so it's all like the kids as little ornaments and then whenever we go on vacation anywhere I always grab an ornament from that place Mm -hmm. and then we have oh that's a good idea yeah that's a good idea there's your vintage tip of the week get yourself an ornament souvenir I get ugly magnets that's what I get but I yeah. like the ornament idea. Uh, yeah. Uh, my best friend, Tammy, is the one that started doing that first. And then I was like, well, that's a great idea. And it's like, you know, when you go somewhere, it's like not the greatest place for a souvenir. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, what are you going to do? And right. so like when we went to New Mexico, um, Albuquerque is known for their uh, hot air balloon festival. Oh, right. So I got this really pretty hot air balloon festival one. Cute. And um, when we went to Disney World, I got a couple from there. It's a good idea. Yeah. I had somebody, when my husband and I got married 10 years ago, one of my Christmas, one of our uh, wedding gifts was a Christmas ornament with a year on it. And it's our first Christmas. And I was like, that's Mm -hmm. such a great gift idea if if the person celebrates Christmas right. We hope you enjoyed that assortment of tips. I know we did. We learned a lot from listening back to that. And as always, I hope you find some good shit. And I hope you remember to look under the tables. Bye. See ya.